where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over to my new favorite place, the beautiful True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle. We chat a bit, and then we learn and record a song from one of my latest projects, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist, a musical theater actress insisting on her own diversity and pliability, she tapped into the ever-changing state of musical theater, realized her greatest love was finding its way onto the Broadway stage, film and television, and now pioneers as the only person to bridge those gaps. She piloted her masterclass, Rock the Audition, at Pace University, and since then has taught all over America, and is a rock musical repertoire coach and private audition coach in New York City. Backstage paid a visit to her rock class, wrote an article about her leading a revolution, and the next thing you know, she was asked to create the pilot episode of the reality television show My Time on the Oprah Winfrey Network. She was then immediately invited by Hal Leonard Books to be the first person to ever write a book on auditioning for rock musicals in the history of the world. Obviously, I am talking about Sherry Sanders. Sherry Sanders, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's such a gift and an honor. Thank you. And you're reading all of that just made me very shy. (laughs) It's funny because I'm not a shy person. It was so funny to see. I saw your hands like reach for your head. I just started (laughs) blushing, I think. Well, it's just such a good bio. Yeah, thank you. It was, thank- it was it's nice to hear it. I forget sometimes, you know, because I'm right? so busy, so it's nice to it's hear It's so it. important for people to remember what they do. Things they're doing. How, how, how are you today? I'm really happy to be here with you. I'm a fan of yours. Oh, so thank it's you. Really a, yeah, it really is a wonderful Sunday um, a- well, afternoon delight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm honored to be part of your afternoon yes, delight. Me too. Glad to do. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so you've you've written and mastered this whole thing called Rock the Audition, mm-hmm. and my first question is probably one you've answered many times. When did you see that this was an untapped market, and that it was a, a market worth investing in long term? Um, well, uh, I, I you know I've always grown up listening to popular music, and I was a musical legit musical theater performer, and really I was just noticing that when I was going in and auditioning for. Uh, at the time, what the rock musicals were, which of course, you know, Rent would be probably the main one uh, that I feel like started the whole ball rolling of having to sing popular music for auditions. You know, they used to have you sing a legit song with a pop rock sensibility, <laughs> which is kind of hard, I think. Um, but when that started to happen, I just decided that um, I was going to. Um, go from being the person who everybody said, oh, get Sherry in here because she sings popular music great to actually going, okay, I mean, I do sing popular music great, but I'm the only one and I have a lot of friends who are suffering and struggling because they don't because they grew up listening to Guys and Dolls and, you know, and Les Mis and, um, 
you know, any all styles of legit musical theater. So I just kind of went, I want to help my community because I, I wanted to. I wanted to be in contribution in some way. So that's how it started. I just decided to share. I love that. Thanks. I love that. It feels good. There are lots of workshops out there, in my opinion, that that, that are targeting what feels like trending things. Mm-hmm. Um, like actors playing instruments on stage yes. or actors who have to now master circus feats. Yes, right. Um, but rock musicals, you know, going on a limb here, it seems like it's something that's here to stay. <laughs> yes, it's not going anywhere, especially because now um, all of the rock musicals are being written by pop artists. Right. It's not Stephen Schwartz anymore. You know, it's, you know, Jonathan Larson was really, to me, the last bastion of, <laughs> you know, people who were... Um, writing, writing, what do we call rock musicals from uh, a musical theater point of view? My the 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 one uh, songwriter and songwriting team who I feel like will continue to do uh, keep that one um, way of uh, existing in the musical theater world. You know, as a musical theater writer, is Tom mm-hmm. Kitt and um yeah. Manuel Miranda I think that they are the people who are really going to continue to keep the musical theater writing in the pop rock world alive mm-hmm. everybody else is Cindy Lauper and it's you know um Cheryl Crow and Sting is writing a musical yeah yeah Tori Amos Regina Spector so you know it's it is not only here to stay but it's going to continue to to blossom and unfortunately our legit musical theater world will have to be a special a special occasion. Um, <laughs> do you think legit musical theater will have to needs to ad- adapt in any way, or I hope it do you doesn't. think there's just room? There's just tons of room at the table. Uh, I think that popular music is. I hate to say, but I think that legit musical theater is a uh, pop musical theater is what is legit musical theater now. I don't want to say that. No, no. I'm an I've... old fan. I'm a fan of legit musical theater. I mean, Piazza is one of my favorites. <sighs> And uh, I mean, I, there, there's just so, 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 so many legit uh, musicals that I, my heart is open to. Um, so my feeling is, is that that legit pop and legit are becoming. That's what legit is now. That's and so funny that you say that because I. Do you agree? I do you? agree. I do because um, back in the day when I was an undergrad, we used the word legit to describe your arias and your art songs like that was half the rep at Oklahoma City University as right. a musical theater performance major you had to I think learn six per semester right. of these legit things and then everything else that was on Broadway wasn't included in your legit rep it was your it was your musical theater rep this, right. this other thing and, um, and now musical theater is legit and like or, I mean yeah, like it's yeah, now yeah. Mo- it's like <laughs> trending forward. Exactly. But my hope is that what we call legit continues to resurge and that we can still feel the respect and unbelievable storytelling that came only from when a song was created because you were t- too moved to speak, yeah. that you had to sing, as opposed to what it is right now, which is that I'm going to stop the plot and have an emotional moment, mm-hmm. and then pick the mm-hmm. plot up after I'm done with my <laughs> emotional moment. So, you know, I, I hope that we can still continue to bring old school musical theater back and reinvent it so that we can, um, so we don't lose something so yeah. powerful. 
there's rock musicals and there's legit musicals. Yes, right. They're like two umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the same like bastard children of <laughs> opera and vaudeville and yes. you know we've you know this yeah, journey. Yeah, Alley. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is a weird question. Do you think rock musicals lack legitimacy in any way? Um, there was a teacher uh, in Chicago who I did not meet with, but. A um, but I had heard that they said that they don't teach their students um, popular music because they don't believe they're good stories to tell. And my feeling is that they're absolutely incredible stories to tell. They're just very different stories to tell. So um, if we're able to master the storytelling of popular music in the same way that we would master a Sondheim song or a Stephen Schwartz song or an Adam Gettle song, they require the same kind of attention and the same kind of care. So to me, they are legitimate stories. They do, uh, they have a legitimate effect on people. Just like, you know, once has to me perhaps as profound an effect as Piazza does, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're, they're the legit and rock version of the same kind of. Um, aesthetic to me, they're both po- very poetic, mm-hmm. but I would not say that once is less legit, uh, legitimate than um, than Piazza. They're just, uh, you know, one's more probably working class, and huh. the other one is more educated. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Do you think the homework is different? Yeah, I think the homework is is very different. I think ultimately you have to do this, ha- create the same kind of respect for the detail. But with musical theater, legit musical theater, the details come from reading the script, the libretto, listening to the soundtrack. With popular music, the homework um, and the studying comes from studying real life, real uh-huh. people, uh, history, yourself. yourself, right? Because the character's not based on who they are in the script, in the plot, in relationship to other people. The character's based on who you are and how you interpret the material. Mm. So what it does is it really asks you to be a soul searcher. And it asks you to not only soul search about yourself right now, but soul search about what you'd be like if you were in the Motown era or what you would be like if you were a hippie on stage, you know, at Woodstock, healing an ocean of people who were losing the men in their families to the Vietnam War. You know, what would that do to you? Who would you be? So instead of being like, well, if I played the role of Millie, I would be like, oh, Jimmy, I'm crazy about you. You know what I mean? But if I <laughs> yeah. sang a Joni Mitchell song and felt the ache of loss, uh, that's a whole nother way to live a story. Absolutely. <laughs> Both yeah. valid. Absolutely valid. But totally different. Now, as pop song pop songwriters are bringing their canons to the stage, yeah. and so now their songs are... Like take Mamma for example. The, yeah. the songs of ABBA are in there, and they they have existed before ABBA, before Mamma Mia, and they'll right. exist after. Yes. And if there's ever an after. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And it um, may go on forever and ever. Which is fine. And uh, it's, a good, our it's a good time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, do you feel that once those songs start entering the musical theater canon? Can we play with them this much, or or does it now? Or we're like, oh well, now that song belongs to now that song's in a show, so you can't play with it. Is that right. what you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, this, just the song "Mamma Mia," we, you know, now we see characters, now we see a story, you know. So now, 
it is part of the canon where we do have the cliff notes of if I were this character, this is the story. Yes, yes, I totally. Um, you're asking such uh, astute questions, which is not surprising. And these, these questions are actually very different than a lot of people ask me, which I'm really is this excited. Okay? About. I love it. Okay. I think I'm, it's smart as hell. Um, well, you know, my theory is is that you should never sing something from a, a show. Because what they do is they think, oh, she wanted to play Rosie, but she didn't get cast. And so the song that she's singing <laughs> is Rosie's song. Same thing with, like, Take Me or Leave Me. You wanted to play Maureen. You didn't get cast. So you're singing Take Me or Leave Me. Leave me. And then I'm just looking at you going, well, you wish you played Maureen. As opposed to, look at what this cool girl is doing mm-hmm. with this great pop song. So to me, it's really about figuring out. I mean, um, ABBA itself does not have really great rangy songs. So really it's going to take, for example, um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Great, 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 fun, light, easy musical. Um, Shake Your Groove Thing is a song (laughs) that was put in Mamma Mia, right? Now... um, In Priscilla. I mean, yes, in Priscilla. Please forgive me. Yes. So Shake Your Groove Thing was in Priscilla. And um, while Priscilla was running... I would tell people, you know, I really wouldn't sing anything from the show. But when it closes, then I say, honey, it's all yours because these were like big numbers that everybody was having fun with and celebrating. Mm -hmm. So you can make it your own as opposed to this character, Mm -hmm. which you could potentially have played if you got cast in it, was the one who was singing Shake Your Groove Thing and was using it to move a plot and telling somebody that they need to shake their groove thing. Instead, what you could do is say, okay, this was a great disco song. It was used in this jukebox musical. It's not being used so readily anymore. So now take the song because it's so good and now make it yours and make it about you. Yeah. And then you can use it. But yeah, I mean, if it's something that moves, is meant to move a plot and was based on a character in a musical and the musical still is existing, I would shy away from it, especially because there's so many other great disco songs. Yeah. That you that people don't use um, because they don't listen to disco. There you go. You know, which is my big thing, which is that if you want to book a disco musical, you got to study disco and listen to disco. You know. No, I, I boil love... water, cook food. <laughs> there you go. I love in the book just how much, um, and I, I see it and I saw it in your class. I had the privilege of getting to watch one of her master classes and watch her at work, and it's really something to behold. The book captures so much of that spirit but uh, if you're in the city I really think you should work with her Thank because she, she's she's good people Thank and I you. I like the not just just the daring us to show up and to show up informed and to show up ready to play and um, and there's a lot of talk about intuition and developing your intuition and I think that's all really Im- important tools that I don't think were taught as legitimate musical theater performers because I, I, that's, that was my undergrad was, and so this is all, you know, rocking my audition. Well, you know, it's interesting because when we're, when we're raised in, in in a legit musical theater performer, it's like, okay, let me listen to your voice type and your physical type. So you are an uh, an ingenue or you are a, Uh you are a comedic sidekick or, you know what I mean? Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you are a leading man, baritone leading man or whatever, you know. And you get categorized and boxed in, and you're told these are the songs you sing and these are the roles you play. But very few schools um, will actually go, 
Well, let's just start with who you are. Let's find out who you are as a person. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Or as opposed to, I just don't want to box you in. I want to just try all sorts of stuff on you just to see what the palette that you're playing with emotionally, vocally, spiritually. You know, and so that's what popular music is for to me is to go, I don't care if you're an ingenue. That means nothing to me. You know, yeah. I probably will grab the people who have been put in the quirky category and that were given no attention at all and say, come, you're home. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> come play with me in the Isle of the Misfit Toys. We will, we will make some magic. Nobody wants a Charlie in the box. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I do, though. Yes, you do. <laughs> so speaking of uh, musical theater terminology, mm-hmm. one thing you said, I took copious notes in your class, and one thing you said was... Um, I don't believe in belting. Yeah, I love that you took that down. <laughs> Will you talk to me about that? Cause Absolutely. Because I, I think as a contemporary musical theater writer, it's yes. it's one of those buzzwords for us to, you know, it's like, well, I've got my... I've got my my mixer and my belter and my baritoner and you know all these. Yeah, you've got all your placements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so when you said I don't believe in belting, that kind of blew my mind for a yes, second. Yes. Yes. Can I? Yes, you can. Um, it, it's partially the way I was raised from my voice teacher, um, and uh, which is that she taught me to mix all the way from toenail to curler. So I mix everything, and then when I say and I say this in quotes, when it gets hot in the kitchen. I turn the heat up on my soul and on my voice, and people are like, oh, my God, you're belting the beep out of that. (laughs) And I tell them I'm not belting at all. I'm actually just giving life and force and and, um, spirit and soulfulness and emotion to the sound, and it appears as though I am belting it. And that keeps me from, one, hurting myself, Two, it doesn't separate my placements because when there is when you when you're a singer and you're like okay this is your head voice your chest voice your mix you're separating mm-hmm. and the thing is is that those things create breaks. Yep, and people get very sensitive about those. They get really and... sensitive about it. it's like I can't hear that I got a break I can't my breaks in the you know from the D to the F I have a break and with the way I train I don't have a break. And it's because I mix everything with, with a, a forward placement, which is that I sing everything with my speaking voice. I don't think, wouldn't call it speech level singing because I never even studied that and I don't even really know what that is. But I just sing with my speaking voice with the same placement as my speaking voice. And then it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. And, um, and I just call that mixing. And but so that way I don't ever have like where does where do I place it where does it go I don't leave my body to figure out where I have to put it yeah it just comes out where it's got to come stay. out yeah I stay in it and so what I do believe is that it's the emotion that places your voice and I was just asked recently to you know contribute to a voice training book a very prestigious voice training book and I I said. Put your beautiful training on the back burner because it matters, of course. Mm-hmm. And then on the front burner, I want you to take a phrase, any kind of phrase you want. Take a phrase and say and sing that phrase really hurt. Then sing that phrase furious. Then sing that phrase filled with love. 
and whatever it is, fill those phrases with feelings and see what that does to the qualities of your voice. Uh You'll notice that if it comes from an emotional place, that your training has gotten you to a good place and you can trust your training because it's still cooking on the back burner. It's just on low. And let your emotions fill your voice and so that you roar and soar rather than belt. So that's why I don't believe in belting. I'll probably lose a lot of professional, uh, you know, uh, relationships from from saying that. But as a person who sings popular music, it's really all about feelings traveling on your voice than it is more about locking into that belt place and then pounding people with the belt. <laughs> Well, I, I was very excited by that Yeah, statement. I'm so and glad. I just wanted to... Did it, did it make sense to you at the it, time? Or were you like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Please, give me the details. Give me the details. I just I just wrote it down. And yeah. I, was, I was like, I'm going to have a chance to actually ask her I'm about so this. I'm so glad you asked me. And and I got to hear, there there was a, you know, I, I don't want to break safety rules in that class, oh, but no, I heard a, a girl who, you know, was very soft and you know, there there was a moment where I was like, in my mind saying, just tell her to belt. That's a belting point. Just tell her to belt. And and you didn't. You said something else. And it got her there. It was something like, you know, like um, like you're calling your dog or something <gasps> like yes, that. Yes, I had her call. Yeah, I had her do the call. So it was like when you when you call an animal or you call a younger brother... You never hurt yourself, and you don't scream. You know, you don't really scream, mm-hmm. and you don't belt. What you do is you call. So then you never hurt no. yourself. So what I do is I have people call out when they want that big, open, forward sound that is reaching. Yeah. As opposed to the belligerence of the pounding of yeah. belting, where it just feels like a a, a hammer. You know, trying to pound a wall yep, now. Yeah, yeah. More like, oh, she's belting now. Yeah. She's got her belting face on. Yes, the belt face, the belt sound, <laughs> the belt voice. It There's an impenetrability to it. Let's talk franchise. You've got, sure. you've got a book. You've got a DVD. Yeah, the DVD's in the book. That's in the right. book. Yeah. Uh, you have your classes. Yes. And you recently had your one-woman show. I did. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? I'd love to tell you about that. Uh, my one-woman show is something that I want to use as I tour around the country teaching my master classes so I can lead by example. Yeah. And the, the concert, which I just called Sherry Sanders in Concert, was really just an opportunity for me to tell people what popular music and learning popular music and studying popular music did to me as a person because it not only gave me a career but I also believe that it healed certain places in me that were I thought unhealable and um, that in when I decided to go inside popular music and study why people were singing what they were singing about and what the music did to people and how they expressed themselves and why and the effects that it had on society. I started to become a more empathetic towards myself and other people. And also my talent grew richer because I allowed influence um, on me, on my spirit and on my voice. And also becoming a teacher of it was also so great because it taught me a way to be an artist and share and get out from what I would call the inside of my own ass 
because <laughs> I think as performers, we all are so hell-bent on getting seen and heard and acknowledged and loved, and we forget that a lot of that stuff comes from sharing and that we forget as performers to share. Instead, we show up and say, please take me. Mm-hmm. Please, please accept me. Please take me. Please validify, validify me. Is that the right validate. Word? Validate. There we go. Please validate me. Mm-hmm. And that is, those are those are not generous thoughts. Those are selfish, scared thoughts. So for me to share myself and share what I know, it ended up um, making me a really, really, really full artist that has you know an always overflowing cup. Um, that I, I just it never runs dry. So that I want, I wanted to do that show, so that people know that if that's what happened to me when I listened to popular music, can you imagine what it would be like if you decided not not you yeah. no you do, but if a person decided to invest in popular music, what it could do to them as artists also, and it could do. Miracles can happen. Absolutely, and, yeah. and bringing that into the audition room and just yes, and sharing the miracle. Yeah, yeah. It was a really generous concert. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. It. Yeah, and I was talking about some really private, private stuff, and and I wanted to lead as a brave person to some of it wasn't very pretty, but I also don't think rock is pretty. I think rock is messy. It is not, yeah. and it is real, and it's hard, and it's. Um, Envelope pushing and uh, and a necessity for for uh, for a legit musical theater performer who's been told to be appropriate. I think what it is for me is that when I ask people what a song is about, then they're like, "Well, it's about a girl who, you know, had a bad relationship." And, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's so that's the story of the song. But what does the song do to you? To you. What does it do to you? What does it make you feel? And then of course they're like, "I don't know. No one ever said. No one's ever asked me that." And then I say. But what emotion does the song evoke in you? And so say they pick loneliness. I say, great, then let's create a map of how you move through your loneliness yeah. so that you start from a place of, oh, my God, what's happening to me, into, oh, my God, I'm so lonely, into, God, please, God, get me out of this. This is not where I thought I was going to be right now. So that what we do is we watch you move through your feelings as opposed to, I've got to keep this guy from leaving the room, you know, which is yeah. legit musical theater. Instead, <laughs> yeah. he's not in the room. You're alone in your room. Mm-hmm. And nobody's looking, and I want to see you go through something very emotional. Um, but I also want to see it happen in such a private way that I feel like I'm looking at you through a keyhole. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. One question that I, I didn't see in the book, um, but um, maybe it's there. Um how does Rock the Audition help performers once they've booked the Rock Audition? Oh, I love that. You mean, how does it help them in their... Yeah, day, at, one, day, day one of rehearsal. As they start rehearsing. I love that you asked that question. How I feel like it shows up, and it seems to really work like this, is that when you learn how to... For example, when you learn how to communicate really well with a piano player, and you can be really present with them, and you can communicate the feel of what the song is so that you can collaborate then that translates to your relationship to the director and the music director and your castmates where you feel like I can be really clear and really straightforward and get what um, we both want out of each other in this scene that my piano player is my scene partner and I care about him and I respect him and I regard him and so when I'm in scenes with people I can respect and regard 
them so that we can get something great out of each other. You know, that's a place where I feel like it shows up a lot, you know, yeah. in, when you're actually performing. Same thing is, is to um, look at the material and um, you will inevitably, because you're in a musical, have to move the plot. But what you get to do also is move the plot from an, an understanding of yourself emotionally. Mm. And that's what comes from the music and studying popular music and playing with popular music is that you get to do what musical theater does, but that you get to come from you, as opposed to what I see a lot in musical theater performers, which is they are moving that plot and doing that thing, but I go, I, but I still have no idea who you are. Mm -hmm. And so popular music is such a great way to go, well, let me find out who I am. I mean, who am I anyway? Yeah. And you get to use all these songs in popular music to find out who you are by going, who would I be if it was 1959 and I was a white person and everybody was telling me not to talk to black people? I know I'd be somebody who'd be like, you don't want me to talk to black people, but I'm going to be kissing black boys <laughs> and black girls behind this school because I don't care about that. Yeah. We're all brown. So I'm going to be somebody who integrates. That's who I would be. And then that gives me a point of view on who I am as a person in the world. And I get to apply that in this world. You know, so it really, I really feel like um, your consciousness of history and your consciousness of relationship, and it's not all about you, it's about you and everybody else, and how we all are, we're all part of the same fabric, and you're here really to represent everyone when you sing. It brings a, uh, an extra special generosity into whatever relationships that you have professionally. At least that's the way I feel like it's happened to me and my students. Absolutely. That makes total sense. That was a wonderful answer. Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you. I really like your questions. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see. If you... Because you know, I, I get a lot of actors listening to this, to my, my series. Oh, wonderful. Um, who, if... If there's someone out there who's just never sung a pop song, yeah. who's who's scared, yeah. who grew up singing R&H at, yes. at their undergrad, yes. Um, <laughs> if you could tell them one thing other than come to my class, oh yes, what, can I give them a tip? Can you give them? Can you just give them one thing? Yes. Oh, I have a great thing to give them. I, I thought you might. Um, to me, Spotify has been the greatest gift to the universe but to the musical theater community especially because it's free I have the $5 a month no commercial unlimited Spotify that's great and what I would do for the rock musical novice if that is what you would call yourself is find out who you know made the biggest hits of each genre each generation you know who who were the great Motown singers you know who were the seventies folk rock artists who uh, who made the di who made great disco hits and just pick one person they don't if you're a boy it doesn't have to be a boy it just needs to be an icon from that time and what I would do is make a Spotify station starting with Motown because it's the first genre that it currently exists you know that exists on Broadway um, and I'm c calling Motown Motown, but really it's nineteen mid nineteen fifties to the mid sixties, I would say, you know, up from from Rat Pack to the British invasion. Um, but to make a Spotify station and go, all right, I'm gonna do Motown week. And while you're doing your dishes or cleaning your apartment or kissing your sweetie or drinking your drink, that you've got this Motown music on in the background for that week and you're just listening to the way people phrase music. Mm -hmm. 
And what's great about Spotify, which is different from Pandora, is Spotify will give you men, women, black, white, rock and roll, 60s pop, northern soul, rockabilly. I mean, the whole palette, jazz. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah. And you really get the complete palette so that you can go, oh, I have to sound like this. And not sound like a musical theater performer singing It's My Party. But actually sound like I a recording artist during that time. Mm-hmm. And the best way to learn, and this was not just said by me, but said by several professionals in my book. You know, the Alex Lackamore, who's one of the people I interviewed in my book, you know, he's music directs everything. His his big contribution to the book was the best way for you to grow as a singer is to listen. So to me, I would make a Motown station, a 70s folk rock station, a disco station, and just do a style a week to start, just to get it in your ear how different they sound, what's, what, how people were expressing themselves, what was going on inside of them, and how was it coming through, and how was it traveling on their voices, you know? How's the, how does the music show up in the world, you know? That would be my big tip. That is a good tip. Yeah, and it doesn't cost nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so now comes the time. I um, One of the really cool tools that, that Sherry uses in her classes is road mapping the songs so that you know where you're going in the song so you're not starting at a 10 and staying at 10 the whole song. Right. You know, giving us some color, get, yeah. showing us that you um, are alive. You're alive and that there's some sort of an emotional arc Uh And that, you know, it's not American Idol, so you're not just standing there showing off singing, that you're actually moving through, as I was speaking before, moving through your feelings. So rather than moving a plot, you're moving your feelings. And so to me, when um, I was looking at Beautiful Sleeping Giant, um, to me, it's like any poem, which is that uh, Joel wrote this song, and what he believes this song means could very well be totally different from what I'm about to say yeah. but the cool part is is it doesn't matter mm. because as long as it's true to you and you're clear about what it feels like and what it means then it then it's real then it's valid yeah absolutely and that's why popular music is really cool because no one's gonna go no that's not that's not how the song's supposed to feel I absolutely. mean that is unless you know unless you're not serving the time period or you are not acknowledging the culture that the song comes from. But to me, um, the map for me when I was singing this song was energetic. So it would be, I guess, what I would call feel very rock video to me. But it, when I would start the lyrics with my favorite view of the city was from far, far away. And when I would start in that place, it was just really, really feeling like I'm looking off into the distance and seeing the thing... Um, that uh, excites me the most and scares me the most in front in front of me. And that, that was my favorite place because I could see it and I could feel it, but I wasn't close enough to it yet for it to really hit me. <laughs> <laughs> but I could but I, I could feel the butterflies in my stomach. So um, as I start to say she'd lie there and wait for me to rouse her from slumber, she looked so peaceful, but I knew her number. What I was thinking energetically was that I was slowly walking towards her. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, she was waiting for me to wake her up. <laughs> but I know what she's doing. <laughs> Instead of really doing the lyrics, 
what I did was instead was go, oh my God, I'm moving towards this thing. Mm. I'm having my nerves and I'm having my passion and I'm moving towards this person. Just so energetically, I'm starting from a still place and then in the next part, just moving towards it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I, when I said, I thought, wait, am I too compliant? Am I falling for a trap set by a beautiful sleeping giant? It's like, oh my God, I'm scared right now. I'm scared, you know? I'm feeling, I'm feeling the weight of what this could mean to me. And again, I, I'm not necessarily identifying what my fears are yet. I'm just being in the fear mm-hmm. and doing it as I would say, crapping in my pants. <laughs> so energetically, I'm walking towards her. And it says, the stillness she held at a distance was a perfect design. And it didn't take long to discover that the dream she's having was also mine. It, again, is what I guess would call mixed feelings. I talk about that in my book, is I start to feel my feelings mix. This is so, she is, she is so, I'm really feeling the divinity of her. And at the same time, while that's happening, I'm also having my own divinity being reflected in me. And when that happens, it shakes my tree because I'm getting closer to the thing Mm -hmm. that is scaring me, which is that I have to look myself in the eye. I have to look my demons in the eye. I have to look my terror in the eye. I have to look the fear of love in the eye. So these are the things that as I'm just moving closer, the feelings I'm starting to have are starting to become more and more real and more true. So as I was living this, I wasn't being so accurate and nailing the lyrics. I was just letting the lyrics affect me emotionally and being in the emotional place. Um... Could I forget her or should I draw nearer and nearer? That's such an unbelievable line to me because that's the place where, you know, it, you really go, am I, I going to shit, for lack of a better word, <laughs> I got to shit or get off the pot? Am I going to say yes to this or am I going to say no? And this could be anything from a personal emotional relationship that is a love relationship. It could be my relationship with my sister, which is in, has been in conflict for years and being able to confront her and say, you know, Gail, I am so broken from this relationship. Can you hear me on this? Will you heal with me? Knowing that she could go, no, I don't want to talk to you ever again. Or yes, I can, but not knowing what the answer is. Whatever it is, it's that thing that we have to look at that we don't. So all I'm doing as this song is happening is I'm feeling myself get closer to it. Then when it gets to, then she thought, wait, are you too defiant? I automatically feel feel myself freeze from her initial reaction which is what are you doing here what do you want from me the fear that we always have of how we think people are going to respond to us mm-hmm. so in hearing that and feeling that my uh, initial response is no please hear me I'm I'm, you're beautiful, and I love you, and I'm, I'm coming to you in peace. Mm-hmm. And so that when it gets to my favorite view of the city was from far, far away, it doesn't end like, yay, happy life, everything is good. But what it does is um, it just says, 
Oh God, I, uh, <sighs> this is hard, but I'm going to stay in it. And so that was, to me, the emotional map that I rode when I sang it. And your emotional map and what you, again, what you wrote it about could be totally different. But to me, it felt so real when I was singing it that I felt like, why can't we both have, why can't we all have our own, and that's what popular music is. Yeah. We're all allowed to have it be how we feel and what it is, and it always gets to be true. But yeah, that's what I rode when I was singing it. I love that. I could yeah. tell. That's just no. It's that's a beautiful roadmap. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, and the roadmap's always emotional with popular music. Mm. It really is. It's always emotional. You never have to be um, obsessed with the lyrics. You just have to yeah. go. What do these lyrics make me feel? And then yeah. feel it. Well, and these you. lyrics made me feel a lot. Thank you. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing your feelings yeah. with this song. Before we start setting up that song, I wanted to leave you with a Sherry Sanders quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you ready for this? Yes, it makes me get I'm all of a sudden a little shy again. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Ten years from now, all the rock musicals will be different. The shows that are on Broadway today may be revived, and who knows, maybe Jay-Z and Beyonce will write a hip-hop musical together. <laughs> what will remain the same, however is the necessity for you as a performer to study the essence of music and share your connection to it with care, detail, joy, generosity, and vulnerability. We need you. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. That is Sherry Sanders, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Thank you very much, Joel. What a blessing. This is been such an honor uh remember listeners if you like the song it's available for free download on my soundcloud page until the next episode and if you'd like to request sheet music you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free pdf be sure to download something new volume one for free on noisetrade.com tips go to the human rights campaign um follow me on all things social media and you may find all those links and more on joelbnew.com Uh, While there, feel free to click on either the Cafe Press or donate links on the podcast page. Any and all contributions go toward production costs and are supremely appreciated. Uh, Make sure that you visit the following two sites, sherrysanders.com and rocktheaudition.com. And there are little dashes in there, between little hyphens between every word, so you see them. sherrysanders.com, rocktheaudition.com. Go to them. Uh, subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Tell your friends all about it. Uh, special thanks to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, who, do, who hosts my website and designs it. Uh, Red Scandal Graphics for my little podcast logo. Uh, today's uh, accompanist was the one and only Nathan Seiler on acoustic guitar. So good. Such, such a pleasure. Uh, and True Voice Studios NYC, um, who, is, who hosts our, uh, our podcast here. Uh, for more info on them, you can go to truevoicestudiosnyc.com. And that's true without the E, 212-245-2441. Um, they are perfect for things like this, uh, voice lessons, group classes, coachings, recording, singer showcases. I, know I hold my rock, my rock classes and my private coachings here. There you go, yeah, Sherry cool Sanders. <laughs> She's the reason I found this place. Um, and last but not least, Sherry Sanders, thank you so much for oh, doing this. This was a blast. Yeah, you're a blast. Thank you. Thank you. From True Voice Studios at Columbus Circle, this is Joel V. New. And Sherry Sanders. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
was from far, far away. It's the view that I got to admire at the start and finish of every day. She lied there in wait for me to rouse her from her slumber. She looks so peaceful. I knew her number I thought, wait Am I too compliant? Am I falling for a trap Set by a beautiful sleeping giant Sleeping giant The stillness she held at a distance Was of Perfect design, and it didn't take long to discover that the dreams she's having were also mine. To look at her line of skies like looking in a Oh.